0: Welcome to this podcast, made possible by Vision Australia Radio. Visit varadio.org, subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform. Hello everyone, welcome to Talking Tech, this edition available from August the 9th, 2022. I'm Stephen Jolly, great to have you with us wherever you're listening, perhaps through Vision Australia Radio, Associated Stations of RPH Australia or the Community Radio Network. There is also the podcast. If you haven't caught up with that yet, all you need to do is search for the two words Talking Tech, and Dana can all come usually on a Tuesday afternoon, just after it's been produced. Another option is to ask your Siri device or smart speaker to play Vision Australia Radio Talking Tech Podcast. Vision Australia Radio Talking Tech Podcast. With me someone who can explain all this stuff really well, Vision Australia's National Advisor on Access Technology, David Woodbridge. David, let's start with news of a major development with the Humanware Brailleant series of Braille displays. It's moved into the voice world at last, after people have been waiting for, really, 18 months since the devices first came out.
1: Yeah, this is really interesting because with the BI, 20 x which is 20 cells, and the BI40X, which is 40 cells, i.e. 20 or 40 characters across. When it came out originally, as you mentioned, it had the speech chip built in, but there wasn't any development, and we had sort of the volume keys on the side, and the only thing you really got out of it was a beep. (laughs) And we did have, I think it was last month, I want to say, we had the sort of the DAISY functionality come in for speaking out DAISY books. Well, now it's turned into a talking note-taker as well now. So it's not meant to be a nor singing or dancing talking note-taker of the past, like the good old, you know, keynotes of the day and keynote companions and that sort of stuff. But it comes really, really close. In fact, it's actually really, really good, actually. And I believe, Stephen, you've been playing a fiddle bit.
0: I have been, and I must say that it's gone beyond what I first anticipated. I thought... Yeah, this will be good. We'll have um, text-to-speech for reading books and a few other interesting things, but it's actually got the voice guidance through it as well. It it reminds me of a revamped Braille and Speak. Remember the old Braille and Speak, David, which was a device around oh over 30 years ago now? Um, It's like that, except it, it has actually got the Braille display as well. That's right, because we had the Braille Lite, and I,
1: I, I had a 40-cell version. I want to say there might have been even a 20-cell version or an 18-cell version, but I can't remember now, it's too long ago. (laughs) The fact is, sometimes when I want to read reference material, coding material, I want to proofread, then that's exactly what I use Braille for. But if I've got to get through a lot of stuff very quickly, I'll just turn speech on, wind it up to whatever it is, 700, 800 words a minute, and let it rip. So I think because we've got those two options now on one device that you can do all your proofreading, coding, etc. using the Braille display. And then if you also want it out of the same device, you can do that really skimming through stuff.
0: One thing you can do, of course, is belt through documents before a meeting. But then if you need to check spelling or some other Mm. syntax, um, you can go over to, to doing it with Braille, referencing it that way. So, yeah, very flexible. Does it make you yearn for any other old devices? I mentioned the Braille and Speak.
1: It, it does, and, and, and oddly enough, the the, the and Speak, which would still work perfectly today, is, is my main one that I'd, I'd love back again. It was just a simple, straight note-take. You turn on and, and make notes. The other one that I used to love uh, is a little device which basically had a numeric keypad on the front for navigation, and it was called the Roadrunner. And you could transfer text files over to it and read your... Documents that way, and of course, I had lots and lots of books that I could read on the the Roadrunner. The other really cool one that was for deafblind communication was a thing called the ABC Courier, and what it was, if you can imagine, the machine on one side, you had this tiny little Atari computer, so a little, almost a tiny little laptop with a screen and a standard QWERTY keyboard. On the other side, you had a Braille input keyboard, so a style keyboard and a 40-cell Braille display. And you could literally sit on one side of the table if you had a deafblind person, sighted person on the other side, and you could have a one-on-one communication using this device. And I just thought that was absolutely amazing and that would even still be fantastic though because it was just a a completely standalone unit and I've, I've got a few more items in front of me written down as a bit of a memory but the other one that I know caused a bit of a stir when it went away was it was originally called the Parrot and then I think it was called the Voicemate and that was a nice little organizer that you could record stuff on Um, You had a sort of a function button that would let you switch between, you know, calendar, memo, that time and date and so on. And it was a really good device that you could just have in your pocket. So they're probably the main three ones, including some other ones that I I really wish were still around today and would still be quite effective.
0: Well, let's move to the present now. Adobe, they're taking a, a step forward with accessibility?
1: They are, because one of the
0: banes of
1: PDF files is the fact that a lot of PDF files that people produce are non-structured tag PDF files. And what I mean by that is they don't have elements to allow people that particularly use screen readers to navigate by, such as headings and tables and so on. So you can't navigate by those elements. So what they're doing on this website that I've got a link in the show notes to, they're asking for people to put in their interest by filling in a form to say that would you like to participate in this investigation into auto tagging of PDF files. So what it sounds like is that you'll have your own PDF file and then you can go, okay, well I wanna make this a structured PDF file. And you can then use a tool that they will be providing to you to produce hopefully a fully accessible tag structured PDF files because I think people think that, you know, if they do a, a print-to-PDF file, that's a structured PDF file and it's not. Unless you properly export to a PDF file or do it manually or do it properly in other formats, then you won't get a structured PDF file. So it's that old thing, and People just think because something's electronic, it must be accessible.
0: And as we all know, it doesn't work that way. Yes. Yeah, that's true. I want to talk about NVDA now, which is Mm. the screen reader software uh, developed in Australia and uh, the two fathers of it really, uh, Jamie Tay and Michael Curran. Actually, were on ABC Radio Brisbane towards the end of July, a very interesting conversation with them and uh, we can put a link to that in the show notes. People might like to uh, Mm. have a listen to it, Uh, but uh, they're being talked about in the United States as well.
1: Yeah, this article that I read said that uh, Texas State University was going to be using NVIDIA, which extends for non-visual desktop access for Windows, as their screen reader for the university. So rather than using other screen readers on the market, which are a lot more expensive than something that's open source and free, um, they were going to actually deploy this as part of the university support for people that require the use of a screen reader. So I think that's a great way of saying, you know, one, open source is actually pretty good, and two, it's such a good screen reader in its own right that a university wants to use it for people that want to use Microsoft Office, uh, Teams, um, you know, in particular things like Excel, PDF files, and all the stuff that you would use at a tertiary level to be able to undertake your studies. So I think that's a really fantastic gold star you know, clap on the back for doing such a good job, particularly when a university
0: wants to use it as their
1: primary screen reader.
0: Yes, yes, it's a real credit Mm. uh, to them. They've known each other from very early days. They met on a a Braille music camp in 1994, Jamie Tay and uh, Michael Curran. Um, They were only about 10 years old at the time. Drifted apart for a few years but then came back together and both uh, driven to have... uh, accessible screen reader software and accessible in terms of being available for anybody who wants it and uh, that's what they've been able to do Mm. so it's a great story it is from time to time we talk about access world which is the publication of uh, the american foundation for the blind and uh, they had some interesting articles in their june edition that you came across
1: Absolutely. And this is also carrying on a bit of a conversation about open source software. And as people have input into NVIDIA, uh, there's a particular software package for audio and music editing on Windows or the Mac called Reaper. That's R-E-A-P-E-R, which, as I just said, is also open source. And the developer of that, in conjunction with the community, has made sure that this audio editing multi-track editor is fully accessible for people that use a screen reader. And as Jamie Paul says in the article, there are lots of links and resources on the net to get you up and running. And he does point out that this is a all singing, all dancing multi-track editor. May take a little while getting used to it, but if you're very much into audio editing or doing multi-track recording, let's say, you know, having bird sounds and wave sounds in the background and a babbling brook and trains off in the distance or multi-track type stuff, then this may be for you. So have a look at it. Lots and lots of people do use Reaper who are blind or low vision. And I just think it was an excellent article to remind people that open source is pretty good and there are tools out there that are fully accessible.
0: Now. The, a number of apps around these days for reading. Voice Dream Reader is one that's been available in the iOS environment for a long time. It's pretty good on the Mac? It, it is pretty good on the Mac. And if you're familiar
1: with the iOS version of Voice Dream Reader, as they point out in the July edition of Access World, then you pretty much know how to use Voice Dream Reader for the Mac. And of course, this is a speech utility program for navigating with speech uh, books and PDF files and books I mean by documents that you might want to read. It also does things like larger fonts, it highlights what it's reading. It also has a, a function where it'll sort of highlight a head for you, so that if you're a low vision person, that increases your reading speed and comprehension as well while you're visually reading. So it looks really good. The one thing that that I guess put people off a little bit is that you do get a 14-day trial of the software, but after that, you've got to pay this subscription model, which I think is $4.99 per month, which is US, so probably about $7 Australian as a subscription to use it. Now, if you don't want to pay a subscription or you don't want the consistent interface between iOS and the Mac, there is another program which is called Speech Central and it effectively does what Voice Dream Reader does and there's no subscription attached to it. And I personally think it's pretty much just as good as the, um, the Voice Dream Reader version and also too, it actually also has an iOS version. So if you're a Mac user and an iOS, i.e. iPhone, iPad user, then uh, check out Speech Central as well.
0: People hear a lot about these reading apps. What is it that's so good about Voice Dream Reader? And I assume Speech Central, because you're saying it's pretty good too.
1: Rather than you having to navigate and keep navigating via your screen reader, uh, so for example, you know, going forward paragraph paragraph or heading and so on, This just does it for you with keystrokes. The other really cool thing that people forget is because this is a dedicated text-to-speech system, so it's literally reading out the article, you can then pop over with your own screen reader, which is independent of what's being spoken, and take notes. So that's one big benefit of using these um, systems that are just designed to speak at an article to you.
0: Well, now, before we go, a reminder of where people can find details of what you've been talking about in this and previous editions of the program.
1: Absolutely. So, as always, you can check out my blog site, which is davidwoodbr.podbean.com.
0: David podbean, davidwoodbr.podbean.com to write to the program. You
1: can write to me at Vision Australia, where I work, of course, which is david.woodbridge, how it sounds
0: at visionaustralia.org. David.woodbridge at visionaustralia.org. This has been Talking Tech. With me has been Vision Australia's National Advisor on Access Technology, David Woodbridge. I'm Stephen Jolly. Take care. We'll talk more tech next week. See you. Thanks for listening to this Vision Australia radio podcast. Visit varadio.org to find out more about our podcasts.